Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 73. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's Laura Reagan, LCSWC, with today's episode. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. So glad to be back with you again. And today I have an interview with Xanthia Johnson, who is a therapist in Washington, D.C., owner of a practice called Urban Playology. She has a beautiful way with words and metaphor, and she talks about her work with play therapy expressive arts and other experiential practices and how she creates a safe space for her clients to bring all the parts of themselves. I like how Xanthia really intentionally and deliberately focuses on creating that safe space as a main priority of the therapy process and the therapeutic relationship. So you're going to want to listen in to hear how she describes what she does and how she does it. And she gives some techniques and tips for therapists. So let's get started. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today I have a very special interview to share with you. My guest is Xanthia Johnson of Urban Playology, who is a Supreme Embrace Guru. Anthea, thank you so much for being on Therapy Chat today. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I'm really excited for people to hear more about you. So why don't we just start off by you telling our listeners more about yourself and your work? Okay, that sounds good. Well, I am so honored to be able to provide a safe haven and home to a diverse group, a super diverse group of open outliers, courageous couples, and unique families that make their way to urban playology, my practice, which is located in Washington, D.C., in DuPont Circle. And um, it's been such an honor to finally be able to settle into the work that I'm doing and to be doing the work that I really love with the people that I really love working with. So it's, it's been such a wonderful experience as well. 
Yeah, so what are some of the ways that you work with people? What makes you a supreme embrace guru? Thanks so much for asking. I spent quite a bit of time thinking about this. Really, I work very, very intently and very intentionally to make sure that I'm creating a supreme embrace experience that I'm offering that up to my clients and to the folks that make their way to open theology. And so for me, what that means is that this is a completely safe place for them to be exactly who they are and to bring all the parts of themselves so that all the parts of, the, of themselves can actually be embraced. Um, I used to have, a, I, you know, I still have a mentor who hails from Lebanon. And she used to say, if there isn't one person who knows all there is to know about you, how then will you ever know how truly loved and how unconditionally loved and accepted that you really are? Yeah, because we show people what we think they want to see. So that safe space concept is so important in therapy. Well, Before we talk about that in more depth, which I hope we will, but I really love for people to hear about some of the ways you do therapy, some of the types of things you do, because your practice is called urban playology. And I think that's very intriguing to to know what that is and what that means. Yes. Well, urban playology is really my brainchild, and it comes from my journey at most it really represents my journey of coming to myself in, in my clinical practice, of recognizing that i so enamored with DC's uh, children and family. And I'm also to a play therapist who also to uses expressive art in my work with families, young people, and, and adults. And so I really needed a name to represent that heartbeat that heartbeat experience that I'm offering, the heartbeat experience that I walk with and carry with me in, in all my interactions with clients. And so it's, it's almost hard to explain. <laughs> mm. and, I, and I think about it a lot, like how do I explain the magic that's happening in my office? How do I explain what a person looks like when they come in shoulders bent over and downtrodden and beaten up by life and what it's like to see them more upright and making eye contact and ready to go back out into the world and try it again. How do I describe what some folks folks get it? More more folks than that get it. So, Cynthia, what comes to mind for me when you talk about that, how it's really hard to put into words what you do in your practice? I have felt that way before, too. And I I think when our work is more experiential and it's something that's felt and sensed more than spoken, it's really hard to access the words and verbally to describe it. And especially like with play therapy, with the toys being the words for the, for the young people, you know, it, you, you learn about it, how to interpret and, and how to be present for that, for that process. And so, you know, I acknowledge that I am a work in progress too as I spread the word about 
you know, my wonderful practice, I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> I know that, but I am just, you know, over the moon about it's, I speak in metaphor a lot if you haven't already picked that up. So <laughs> I love it. The way you speak is very beautiful and different. And just even calling yourself a Supreme Embrace Guru and naming your practice Urban Playology, it's very different. It's kind of poetic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Let me know I'm on the right track. <laughs> so let's talk a bit more now about that concept of creating a space where your clients can show up exactly with all of their parts as they truly are. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people don't even know what parts they're hiding from themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's true for me. I know I think it's true for everybody. So how do you create that space? You know, I think that's a great question, Laura. And I think it really starts with the therapist. It's about creating a safe space within yourself. And one of the exercises I do, and sometimes in consultation with other, you know, novice therapists or other folks who are under my, under my supervision, I'll say, you know, let's come up with a few words to describe you. Describe you. And I call this the word soup exercise. And it's really great because what word soup does is it allows you to really begin to unearth all these thoughts and ideas that you have about who you are in the world. And nine times out of 10, for most therapists, they are able to extrapolate about at least two or three qualities or attributes that they feel like really resonate and really represent who they are or even who they're aspiring to be more so. And so this is an exercise that I strongly suggest that therapists do every now and again, you know, to check in with yourself, to check in with your psyche, to check in with your soul about how you're doing because guess what? Your clients can sense, <laughs> they can sense what, what work you're doing and I think it's part of creating that safe place. I think it's, it's been absolutely quintessential to my, to my practice. So the first step, I think, is to check in with yourself about who you are and your, your own story. So I think you're talking about how the therapist is doing in the moment and more broadly. That's right. We want to believe that we can take ourselves out of it, but I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that you can just be a blank slate. I think that the self of the therapist is there, and it's part of what is making the change happen. That is right. That is right, and that has definitely been my experience, you know, so far with clients. And I just think, for me, it really began with this, this true declaration, like, I want to be the kind of therapist that I would want to see, you know, like, exactly. <laughs> you know, I would want to feel like I could say whatever I needed to say and to be fully embraced, not just tolerated. Exactly. Thank you. Tolerance and embrace. I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be embraced. And so making sure that I'm being the change, that's, you know, part of my way of being the change I want to see in the world. Is, is by being the therapist that I want to be. <laughs> that I want to go to in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
you must be the therapist that you want to see in the world. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes with a twist. Yep. Yep. It should be a t-shirt. <laughs> hey, a little uh, side gig for you and me. We can start making t-shirts. We would do it. Let's do it. <laughs> So an important part of making that safe space is for the therapist to be self-aware, checked in with what we are feeling, you know, how grounded we are. How we're seeing ourselves and what attributes that do we see in ourselves. I think when you do that, it makes way for the client to be able to see themselves in a nuanced way. I think the other part of it, too, is one of the things my mentor says is, you know, if you want to learn the language, you have to immerse yourself in the culture. So you have to be able to be around and to create a community of colleagues who are doing that. And I think that can be challenging. I know in private practice, which can be isolating at times, I think it can be tough, but making sure that you are bringing those conversations about how you're creating a safe place to your interactions with your colleagues, to your discussions, to your staff meetings, to your clinical supervision. Uh, I know it was very helpful for me and it's been so helpful for me to have a clinical supervisor who specializes, you know, in safe space and cultural awareness and cultural competency so that I'm always being invited to be my best therapist self in the work and to look at things through a, a lens that creates that safe place for the client. I like what you're saying and I think I know what you mean, but I'd like to have it be a little more explicit if we can make sure that first that I'm getting it and that people who are listening are getting what you're saying too. Can you give an example or uh, maybe what it looks like when you are and what it looks like when you're not doing what your mentor suggested? Sure. I mean, I think Brene Brown says that you, that one of the main reasons, the the number one reason that that folks do not return to therapy is empathic failure, right? Mm. Okay. And so, at the end of the day, that's what it typically is. And so I think, you know, looking at these instances where there were abrupt, you know, terminations or abrupt transitions out of the therapy work, kind of going back, you know, rewinding the tape a little bit to see, you know, what happened and to, and to glance but not stare, to, to glance and, and take a look at your, at your repertoire work um, in those moments and to see where you were, you know, flourishing, and then where, where were your growing edges in the work. And I would say that's the case with all of your clients, even where, even in instances where you felt like treatment went really well and it was a positive experience. I think you can always, I think I always can stand to survey that. And I also, too, think that clients give you, a, you know, clients speak with their feet. Okay, and so they they speak, they they give you a lot of data, a lot of rich information about how they're experiencing it. So if your body, if this person's body language is closed and not making eye contact anymore, you know, 
their body is still there, you can always take a moment to check in, wait a minute, you know, I'm noticing some things and I want to give you an opportunity to speak to where you are right now and let them claim their seat in the room more in those, in those moments to say, you know, well, I don't really like what you're saying. I don't understand what you're saying. That really resonates with me. A lot of folks that come to my therapy practice have already been to therapists. And it's so interesting to hear the feedback that they have about, you know, other therapists because they'll say things like, well, the therapist didn't really listen to me. Or I felt like I was competing for my own therapy, competing with the therapist for my own therapy. I didn't really feel like I could say, you know, I'm having these feelings I feel this way with the therapist. And, you know, so I want this, you know, I want our conversation to be an invitation for therapists to kind of think about how would you know with different clients, like how well you're doing. I think soliciting direct feedback is an important part of the process, Laura, but I also too think that observing what you're seeing in them in real time is an important part of the process as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of, empathic attunement and attachment you know and there's a misattunement the client may feel like oh they don't get me I knew it nobody mm-hmm. gets me I'm too screwed up mm-hmm. and when we're you know I'm sure we've all been a client at some point it's so vulnerable to say I've got a problem that is beyond what I know how to handle mm-hmm. or the way I feel is just too confusing for me and I need somebody to help guide me to figuring out how to get to the next point. And when we're supposed to be the expert and we're just talking at them and they're feeling like, I don't even know what they're talking about, you know, the client's thinking that. Yeah, I mean, I always am always thinking about how to refine the collaboration, the collaborative experience that clients are having in the work with me. And I think that collaboration, you are going to be the the greatest expert at your own life. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll even have clients sometimes say, well, Cynthia, give me some advice. What do you think I should do? What what should I do? And, you know, I reflect back to them. You're wondering what I think you should do. And, you're in this space where you you are seeking answers. You want an answer. And and for me, it also, too, is it requires that I believe in them to be able to unearth these soulful truths for themselves. And so I let them know, you know, I'm here to be a support to you, and I cannot give you advice. That's not my role. You know, even when it's Tempting, even when I think I might have a really great idea. <laughs> oh, here's what you should do, girlfriend. This is what you need to do now. Try this. Let me know how it goes. You know, even in those moments, checking in with myself to be able to say, you know, listen, well, this is their process. And if you believe in them, there's no question about, about your approach, you know, here. And it should be the one that you've been using and that's been working well. Some clients really don't like that. You know, they really want you to tell them what to do. And so then you have a conversation about that. 
about the discomfort of being in in an interchange where you feel like you want somebody to give you advice. You know, now guarding issues around, you know, life or death kind of situations where you do need to be more directive and more actionable, you know, excluding those scenarios. I have never had a situation where I've created this safe place and a client with young people as young as two years old who didn't find their way into the truth, right, Mm. for themselves. It's more like that fantasy that they didn't have the power all along Mm -hmm. in the way. That's right. There you go. That's exactly right. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. I, uh... I was thinking when you were talking about well, something you said earlier, because I can't quite put my finger on it, but when we, especially as new therapists, are starting out and we're so worried about what to say next, what to say next, and don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing, and how if you could just sit back and kind of go with what's happening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trust yourself, mm-hmm. trust the process. Mm-hmm. It's so much more empowering for the person sitting on the other side of the therapy relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, mean, I remember those days, you know, you know, I'm 15 years in now, and I remember sitting there and kind of just, you know, just wanting to do a good job, and that perfectionism will kick in, won't it? And it can be mm-hmm. such, a, such a distraction. Um, and I think that's why the clinical supervision with somebody who's really trained, who really trust, who you really trust, um, who believes in you most, more so than anything, mm-hmm. I think that can really help in, in situations like what you described. Yeah, because as a therapist, if we don't believe and trust that the person has within them the resources to answer the question, and we are taking on the responsibility that it's up to us to make the situation better. That's also extremely draining and exhausting for the, for the therapist to be putting that pressure on themselves to solve all these problems, you know, and that's, I think that typically goes back to family of origin mm-hmm. dynamics mm-hmm. That's a that big draw us all into this work. maybe not you but me and everyone else (laughs) right right i mean yeah we we definitely come by way of our profession nobly as i say Mm -hmm. and yeah it is a big responsibility uh to to take on more of the client's experience than you know than is going to be helpful to them i had an experience where um someone was often coming in and they would say, they would tell me something and then they would say, what is that? Why do I do that? What's that about? And I would think, oh, I can see what it's about. And I would say, well, you know, sometimes it might relate to something, you know, I would say something kind of vague to give them like a tip. But then one time I was like, why are you answering that? What you need to do is ask them what they think. And I did that. And the person told me exactly what it was about. And it was like, oh, look, you did know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and they were feeling disempowered, but I was playing into that when I was mm-hmm. saying, oh, yeah, I know what it is. And you don't know. You're asking me. Let me make myself feel better by telling you the answer. Mm-hmm. But really, I had to step back and say, 
I bet this person already knows this. I've seen how smart and resourceful this person is. Mm -hmm. Why would I believe that they actually don't know the answer to that question? Mm -hmm. Let me talk more about why they thought they needed to ask someone else instead Mm -hmm. of drawing Mm -hmm. from within. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that was definitely a a big part of my training was about, you know, refraining from self-disclosure, which can be in the form of answering a direct inquiry. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, that that took some adjustment for me just because of, you know, kind of the, the, the paradigm that I brought to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've also, too, had in many instances like that. And, you know, sometimes I'll say to a client, you know, so let, let, let me just, sometimes you have to negotiate and bargain with them. Okay, so let's say I answer this, this question then what right and, and then over time oftentimes what clients will say was i'm going to have another question mm-hmm. so then if you have another question of me then all of a sudden this time that you have worked so hard to create for yourself becomes about me mm. than opposed to being for you and then now we we get to a dynamic that is hard to tease out mm-hmm. you know so this is an opportunity for you to practice leaning into your own experience with support. Some, some clients just have never had that kind of support um, that's right. been offered to them when they come to see you. And so some of them just, it's almost jolting to the nervous system almost. You know, they've never had an experience like that. And so sometimes you resist, you know, you resist it because it's so unfamiliar. You go out back into your your busy life where nobody seems to care and you know how to do that you know how to show up for that life showing up for a life where someone is actually listening to you and caring about what you have to say in a meaningful way it's just different and so then I think these direct inquiries are oftentimes you know an offshoot of that of that discomfort Hmm. this is so interesting and You know, the more I talk with you, the more I know that what you have is very special and you're sharing it in a lot of ways because you didn't really mention this, but I know you teach and you do trainings. Am I right? That's right. That's right. Vision. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And all of that information is available on my website, which is www.urbanplayology.com. Again, it's www.urbanplayology.com. And um, again, even most of the supervisees that come that make their way to urban theology are all very interested in these questions about how to create a safe place and how to be culturally competent in Boston, D.C. And there's so much diversity. Yeah, it's one of the most diverse places in the world. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And that is what one of the things that's the most beautiful about it, which we're going to talk about in a future episode. Yes. Very much so looking forward to that. It will be timely. Yeah. Well, Cynthia, I wish we had more time today because I would just love to keep talking with you. It's like a trance of listening to this beautiful way you work and even, you know, getting me to reflect right now about the way I work and, Um, I hope people who are listening who are therapists are reflecting on that and people who are listening who are not therapists but maybe 
thinking about what they would want therapy to be like if they were to go would really have some good food for thought here. Thank you so much. Laura, I do want to say that one question that folks can ask is, ask your client every now and again, how would you know that our time together has been useful to you? How would you know that our time together has been useful to you? Every time I ask that question, it's just like clients are just in amazement. I actually had a couple cry because mm. I said no one has ever asked me anything. Yeah, so it's a great way to think about what they even want and expect from the therapy process and what kind of change they're hoping will happen. Maybe giving themselves permission to even consider that. And when you do that, you have, guess what? A hashtag, safe space. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You are so awesome, Sauce. I have to say that too. Thank you so much for this platform that you use to enlighten and bring peace to the folks that get to to hear your your podcast. Thank you so much. Aw, you're so kind. And thank you so much. So we'll finish up for now, but everyone who's listening, don't worry. I'm going to have another conversation with Xanthia soon that's going to be, you all are just going to be hanging on every word. So look forward to that in the future. Xanthia, thanks again for being on Therapy Chat today. Thank you for having me, Laura. I look forward to our next conversation. Me too. Thank you for listening to my interview with Xanthia Johnson. I really enjoy the way she describes her work, and I know that she is doing great things in D.C. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to speak with Xanthia again. We really clicked, and I feel like there's a lot we can talk about. So until next time, please remember to visit iTunes so you can subscribe and leave a rating and review. When you subscribe, you'll receive the latest episodes directly to your device. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful to each and every one of you. Take care. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. 
Thank you for listening to the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, visit Laura's website at www.lauraregan.lcswc.com 